How can learning to dance burlesque teach you to be a better leader? Paulina Tanner is an author, speaker and founder of Grantree, an organisation that helps founders find funding. She also recently wrote the book Laid Bare, What a Business Leader Learned from the Stripper. In this episode, we hear about the innovative way she ran her business and why she decided to become a burlesque dancer. We hear about her journey of leadership and how practicing vulnerability within the workplace has helped her and her employees grow. For Paulina, entrepreneurship has been a real journey of self-discovery and through burlesque, she's been able to embody a different style of leadership. Previously, she'd been harnessing more masculine energies with her ambition, decisiveness, need to make impact and desire to create change. Through burlesque, she reawakened her feminine qualities that enabled her to be more playful, intuitive and creative. The more she immersed herself in burlesque, the more she was able to appreciate taking time purely for herself, her pleasure, her enjoyment and joy in the moment. This helped her lead with a different quality. She was able to listen to people differently. She made decisions differently. She checked in with her body more and learned to surrender to situations rather than fight them. She finds wisdom now in challenging situations and looks for what they are teaching her about herself. If you're curious about a different way of leading or running your company, and if you're on your own journey of finding the leadership style that works for you, then listen on. So at the moment, I am an angel investor in startups, uh, book author. I just have a book uh, coming up uh, at the end of this month. It might be the most unusual business book you've had your hands on because uh, at some point in my startup career, uh, I was maybe two or three years into the development of Grantree, I felt really kind of stuck in my head, tired, uh, very much in my rational mind all the time. And I encountered burlesque. And I decided I was going to become a burlesque showgirl, which I did. Uh, It was a lot of fun and uh, it was one of the best adventures of my life. And I um, wrote a book about how dancing burlesque has um, empowered me and changed my leadership style and about kind of feminine and masculine forces within every single one of us, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. And an advisor to my company, which I grew over the last um, 10 years. So I'm no longer kind of an active executive in it. I'm an advisor. It has about 50 people in it and it deals with grants and government funding. And while what the company does is not particularly exciting, we are a grant funding consultancy, how we do it and how we organize ourselves is much more interesting. So we are a company that operates Holacracy, which you may know or may not know from Zappos and Tony Shai. So it's some an alternative governance structure to a hierarchy. We have transparent financials, so everybody knows what the company's figures are at any point. And self-set pay, so people are empowered to set their own salaries, which is, uh, yeah, quite edgy. It's not the easiest path, maybe. So maybe it's just what was your motivation for building your company in that way? Yeah, so um, from the very start, I actually uh, started the company with my then boyfriend, now husband. Uh, So we uh, kind of from the very start, wanted to build something that was different to the kind of workplaces we've experienced and built the kind of company where if we were looking for a job, we would want to work in. And we started asking ourselves questions 
you know, is this the whole kind of reporting lines, hierarchy, uh, that kind of structure, is that the end of it all? Is, that, is there an alternative at all? And I just remember when we first hired an organizational coach and he came in and he um, started you know drawing a big org chart on the uh, on the on the whiteboard and said okay this is what your company is going going to look like in five years this is who's going to report to him and we just thought our hearts sank uh, exactly the kind of workplaces we've left behind is that what we're recreating here so um it so happens that from the start, you know, people we started hiring, you know, one and a half years into the existence of the company and then further on, um, we gave them access to financial accounts. We just thought it's going to be easier, you know, instead of kind of holding that information to ourselves, being able to tell them, okay, this is how the company is performing, you know, educate them a little bit about how to run a business as well. So, yeah, I'd say the key motivation has been to build something uh, different, to not recreate the kind of places where we've just escaped as employees. Because mm. I remember when we were starting our company, one of the reasons I was interested in it, and this whole idea of a bit more flat structure, is that I hated managing people. Mm. <laughs> and it was like, how, and this idea of then being sucked into just nearly feeling like a school teacher mm -hmm. or like a headmaster, just telling people what to do and maybe setting rules and parameters. We never got to the size, or you know, even had the get, got into the full mindset of actually trying to do it ourselves. But I knew that you know, as well as it being a different way of working, and it's like a you know a new way of working. There was something deeper for me about I just don't want to be at the top of a tree or something like that, or just feeling like it's it's um, I don't know. There's, there's this kind of sense of like having to lead in that way. I don't know if any of that was for you or is it purely just you were curious about a new way of doing things and didn't want to do things, you wanted to do things differently? Yeah, I guess there was a sense of um, disappointment with with where modern companies are in general. So um, those of you who've read Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Laloux uh, just kind of become our, our organizational Bible at some point. You know, he shows how human organizations have evolved together with the evolution of human consciousness. And I just felt that, you know, we can do better than this. This is not a system designed to, to empower people, to really have them like discover their talents to really grow to really have autonomy this is not the system designed to do that so um that's when we thought okay well let's kind of go on a journey looking for our own structure and we ended up with holacracy but there are kind of many possible answers for those of you who are looking for alternative governance and operational structures out there you already talked about raising consciousness and growth sounds like about empowering humans which is something that we're passionate and fascinated about within our community. There's something here around then how you do that in practice and what that means for the people in a, in a company who might just, who are looking for structure and like being told mm -hmm. what to do. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say we've got a particular experience of holacracy. I think we always tried to decentralize decision-making and, and try and um, empower people. Um, I wouldn't say we always got it right. I think for me, well, I'm, I, maybe there's a question about recruitment because I know we tried to take people or our small team on a journey with us. And uh, when we first started out our agency, we were 
recruiting quite young so people you know fresh out of uni and training them up in our approach and that was uh, our desire to sort of integrate them in our our process but then we realized maybe they weren't the sort of people who really wanted to have lots of responsibility and and to have that freedom in some way so i wonder whether have you had to recruit differently or was it always in there from the start in terms of this culture yeah. and way of thinking because it's it's like you said counterculture which maybe not everyone wants absolutely it's not for everyone and um we had to refine our recruitment approach quite a few times what we've done I think, well, it's over-communicate from the start. This is what you're getting yourself into by joining the company. <laughs> you know, we've made many, many mistakes in our recruitment. So, for example, I remember early on, we were recruiting uh, people, asking them for a two-minute video uh, to tell us why they feel they're a good fit with the company. And we ended up with a bun- bunch of extrovert people. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Mm. I saw people that were more like us other than people that are truly diverse. Um, so what we arrived at is that system where, you know, we brought in a methodology from Robert Keegan known as subject-object interview. I know it sounds very technical, but it's all about helping you determine uh, levels of personal maturity and ability to deal with complexity. So it's like an open-ended interview, um, all to do with... Um, somebody's worldview and the way they create meaning as opposed to their professional capability which you know is another stage of interview that we do but this comes first and it shows us what life experience people have had is in terms of you know allowing them to put on these different hats uh, being able to put on these different hats like a hat of a manager because everybody is their own manager, effectively, in our, in our organization, which means that you have to have this inherent ability to be able to kind of step away from your day-to-day and kind of look at yourself from a manager's perspective. And people in our company resolve their own conflicts, set their own pay, as we discussed. So it's all about finding people that um, are able to deal with complexity and will uh, thrive in it as opposed to uh, struggle. So I'm now curious about how does that work? In, you know, would you, how do you make a judgment on that in terms of, you know, I don't know, it's probably more complex and deep for the for, to talk about it too much, but just, uh, just a picture into like, what do you look out for? What kind of things are you looking to hear or maybe things that you're, warning signals for you yeah so i would love for our organization to get to a point where one day it can uh, kind of recruit people no matter where they are in terms of their life experience and and kind of help them grow but at this point i think we're best suited for people who have kind of gone to and there's levels to assess it within that interview structure to um what uh, robert keegan calls the self-authoring stage um, mm. as opposed to self-socialized. So um, socialized stage is when somebody is kind of not super well-rooted within themselves, but may change or become influenced by different environments so that they operate in. So work, home, friends, etc. And a self-offering person is somebody who has is very, very well-centered within themselves, aware of their boundaries, aware of the values, um, and there are ways to kind of detect that within an open conversation that's being steered in right ways to to assess this. I've heard that term used before, um, particularly around storytelling and telling the story of your life. 
yeah and this idea of being yeah you know, essentially um being in control of the ship that is your life rather than having someone else's summoning someone else steer um which sounds quite for me this is an overlap with an entrepreneurial spirit and so i'm curious about that in terms of I, I imagine people like that wanting to work for themselves and wanting to build their own business potentially. Is that something that you've seen with your employees? Is that an that entrepreneurial spirit or is there something different that you see? Yeah, so uh, yeah, that does can and does often go hand in hand with being kind of enterprising and uh, being able to... Um, pick things up and define new systems and uh, define new structures as opposed to following existing ones. So I guess, yes, I, I'm not sure if it's a prerequisite. I haven't actually thought about it, but it definitely really helps to be a self-offering person if you are about to um, create a new system, for example. It just really kind of lends itself that kind of approach to um, life to be able to yeah be an effective entrepreneur or even an enterprising human being in an organization you know i've got this image now you're kind of like filtering um based on this quite more intrinsically motivated view um approach to life and and the world and work and i'm not sure you know i'm not 100 percent clear about you know what stage these people may be professionally, and I assume they might depend on the kind of roles you want them to take on. But I, I have an image like this is this is this is ongoing work. You know, we're never done with this kind of like understanding what's motivating us and where we want to go. Is there? Do you do much of that work within the organisation? Do you find people? You know, you talked about wanting to create organisations where people grow, as I heard. Yeah. Is that something that you you actively did as well within the? for your employees absolutely so there's just so many workshops and things we've had within the team to help us um give difficult feedback for example or help us uh resolve conflicts um so absolutely i see work as a place where you should um go to in order to grow and meet your mastery and like meet your shadow as well as opposed to any enough money to do that somewhere else you know that's just mm. stupid um so we definitely i'd like to think provide that kind of platform and push because in that kind of environment open uh, pay environment you're definitely pushed to grow uh, mm. while not telling people precisely what they need to do or how to grow because that i think everybody needs to figure out for themselves everybody has their own life path i, I think we're not in a position to tell people this is what you should do step by step to become a fuller human being uh, we can give them a push and we can um, give them opportunities to explore by themselves it feels like there's a parallel to what we're trying to do with our community lawrence no in terms of just <clears throat> opening the door to different ways of thinking in order to help with that personal growth as well as the business growth the phrase holacracy is a spiritual journey came to mind <laughs> <laughs> well we, we talk about entrepreneurship in that way you know yeah. it's, it's an amazing I, I tool for self-development and growth entrepreneurship yeah. is a spiritual journey that's what i believe yeah. entirely oh yeah we're going to dive into that one later definitely um but i suppose within that like you said even from an employee point of view they're being challenged with things like their relationship to money and their uh, 
ability to be vulnerable and to be challenged and get feedback. You know, those are things that it sounds like as part of your culture you're doing anyway, if they're to be part of this complex system. You've adopted Holacracy. It sounds like you've embraced it. How is it benefiting you? So firstly, people are definitely more empowered than they would be in a, a hierarchical setup. They take more ownership of their work. Um, the company is much more, much more agile and responsive to changing market conditions because within Holacracy, the idea is that you can very, very quickly affect change. Uh, if there's something that stands in the way of one of your roles within the organization being effective, then you can very quickly affect change. So that kind of keeps us quite agile. Um, I think it really contributes to the kind of wholesome culture, even though on the face of it, holacracy to many people appears quite rigid because there is a kind of specific format of meetings, etc. It actually, I believe, leaves more space for the humanity, for the kind of not the professional side of things, but the all the rest of it to um, be brought in as well. I was talking to someone yesterday who's a friend of ours called Tom Nixon, and I think he may have worked with you at some point. Yes, he has, yeah. We were talking about holacracy, and I was, well, he was, I called it holacracy, he called it holacracy, and I just got confused. We had to call the whole thing off. <laughs> um, but I was trying to work in my head like uh well the thing that, that came up for me is like when you have these systems uh how companies or organizations or leaders kind of like they buy into them because they think they're going to increase the bottom line and it's like a silver bullet to make you know a more profitable business and i'm wondering is that is that really the case because it then starts to feel like a you know, like a uh a, a process for making more money as opposed to if what I understood it to be is a philosophy. So is because there's the business benefit, but is, I assume there's also is more of a case of a human benefit rather than just absolutely. online? Absolutely. Um, so it's more a case of, as I said at the beginning, creating a kind of workplace that we would want to work in if we were looking for a job today. So um, a much more aligned, wholesome, fulfilling place where you can actually grow and you can actually feel like an adult human me being because i think hierarchy mm. treats people as toddlers most of the time and guess what like if you treat people as toddlers they're going to show up as toddlers uh, or at least you know be somehow encouraged to whereas if you really trust people as adults and uh, treat them as adults in in the workplace then the whole kind of journey of mastery kind of begins and you can see them shine and it's one of the most satisfying things as a leader see people really develop and and shine and uh and meet their darkness as well oh <laughs> that's an interesting one to uh pursue okay um so i wanted to start off with first like i i hear the need for you you know like to see people grow in an organization to be part of that nearly like a catalyst it sounds like creating a place where you, you can see that there's something maybe I, I feel you get benefit from it. It gives you energy. So maybe just share a bit about just articulating that is like, what is, what is it that you really loved about doing that? And what, what at a personal level for you, what gave you energy and maybe also what you found really challenging around yeah. being in an organization, leading an organization like that. So, what gave me energy is 
seeing people kind of step up and really shine and really kind of meet challenges on the level I thought they wouldn't want to or be capable to. Challenges that we've encountered, yeah, of course. Um, there's been challenges with adoption of all accuracy. So um, we brought in an exter external coach from Amsterdam because that's the birthplace of all accuracy um, to help navigate the transition from a kind of I wouldn't say a normal company, but a normal-ish company to Holacracy. And uh, yeah, there were difficult points. There were points where people were rebelling, like, why am I doing this? This is stupid. Like, I don't see the point. Um, and it took some people much longer to see the benefits of it than, than others. And maybe pinpointing something or being a bit more specific here, and it might not be the case for you, but some along the lines of also for you and your partner being founders of the business, was there any issue around seeding control or feeling like things might need, not be going in the direction you want them to and then dealing yeah. with that personally? Yeah, so giving up control is a huge thing within Holacracy, and a lot of companies that try to adopt Holacracy don't actually give control away to the team but there's kind of like a what they call shadow hierarchy i think at the beginning we definitely experienced some of that being true as in people well where would come and um for example have a coffee with one of us and would say what do you think about this and we need to we needed to catch ourselves there and say hang on a second, you're a fully empowered individual within the structure to make a decision about, about this. Like I, I can kind of give you some feedback, but this is by no means should kind of be the final answer for you. So I think it's difficult because there is the still a perceived hierarchy when you're the founder uh, or a leader within a business and to kind of really get rid of that is, you know, takes time is not mm. always the easiest yeah and it's of course challenging for any founder because you're used to controlling things and you're used to knowing exactly where things are going and suddenly you need to give people freedom to make their own mistakes to get things wrong uh, over and over sometimes and that can be painful to go through uh, that transition so yeah again entrepreneurship is spiritual journey <laughs> that, yeah full sex <laughs> Uh, thank you, because I've been having a conversation with someone recently about this idea of control um, and my relationship to it within our community even. You know, it isn't even like a structured hierarchical organization, but there is this tension between giving, empowering people to be creative within a space and to express themselves and the the need, the personal need to make sure it's done well <laughs> and done right. Yeah, I'm probably the last person to uh, preach about letting go. Um, well, I think like a lot of recovering designers, um, I'm kind of uh, a <laughs> perfectionism and uh, I think letting go of something that you've created for yourself is, is probably the biggest gift, but also the biggest challenge, I think. So yeah, I commend you for doing it but i've i've not found it easy at all like carla said how you know it feels like being creative being having authorship and ownership but within a container and, and knowing what's in and what's out is that's always been a struggle for me because um yeah i'm guessing there are things that aren't in line with your vision for the company but other people might want to drive forward so yeah i'd love to know how you navigate that 
um, or whether it's just a process of, like you said, the more you do it, the better you get at this and the more you trust. Not, it's not about trust for me, actually. It's, it's more just about the personal feeling of, like Carla said, I have no control of what happens. Yeah, definitely. The better, the more you do it, the better you get it, get at it. But you just need to kind of face your own darkness and your own control freak part as a founder and uh, reconcile that and um, allow really uh, truly allow people to fuck things up. It's just not easy when you see that like somebody's making a decision that's just going to bite them back in the ass. Uh, you still need to let them make it okay so we've i think said darkness at least three or four times in the past five minutes and we could apply this to parenting too i'm sure so you mentioned that word a few times what does that mean to you so there is the whole shadow part of us so things that sit in our shadow that we're not maybe consciously aware of but that you know um vices that we have and things that we do and uh, behaviors that we have that are not kind of really aligned with our kind of higher selves, I guess. And darkness is also, you know, I talk a lot about in my book also about mental health and the journey of my mental health in my kind of entrepreneurial career. And darkness for me also points to, yeah, difficulties, which I think everybody encounters regardless of whether you have challenges, mental health related challenges like I had or or not. Think, yeah, the chaos within us, you know, the the angst within us, the um, um, self-depreciating, self-judgmental thoughts, for example, the anger, the fear, the kind of unresolved traumas. Um, it's just a lot that can be put in that bag of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you felt like a kid? When you felt like you didn't have any responsibilities or obligations. When you felt free to just be. To explore, to adventure. It's probably been a long time. And if that's the case, then you need to join us at our Happy Startup Summer Camp. It's a festival, a conference, a retreat, a weekend of camping. And at some level, none of these things. Because ultimately it's an opportunity to just gather and be with 150 people just like you. People who are looking to bring more joy, happiness, purpose and meaning into their lives and their work. People who want to spend time in nature having fun, learning about themselves, learning about business and connecting with inspirational everyday people who are normally hidden in plain sight. If you're looking for something new to do, something comfortably out of your comfort zone, then join us in the southeast of England from Friday the 16th to Sunday the 18th of September. To find out more and to apply to join us, visit happystartupsummer.camp. That's all one word, happystartupsummer.camp. See you there. When you're building an organization that feels like there's a, a level of personal growth that's part of working there, working with that darkness, however you want to term it, as a leader, but also and, I would say, having potentially people explore that themselves within a company, that sounds really challenging and potentially really messy. I think it's a fallacy that, you know, you can separate work from life and that you can be a different person 
entirely wear it like you can probably try to put on a mask and kind of have a fake smile and fake fake makeup but um i think all of us go through massive transitions in life that will absolutely affect how we work how we perform how how effective we are how much up for dealing with work relationship related challenges we are so yeah my my challenges definitely kind of were visible in the workplace and um i still remember some decisions i made where i wasn't really fully centered and grounded i um remember you know maybe having conversations that i shouldn't have had at least not, not in that way and here's when we touch on vulnerability kind of vulnerable and exposed is really tough but brings just the next level of power i think when people kind of truly see you that you're comfortable with exposing your vulner vulnerabilities as a leader that usually goes with yeah a lot of actually respect and um what is even more important they feel like they have the space to be in the vulnerable place in the work as well i think that's one of the things that i was put off by thinking about going into uh even like as a bit of a catch-all phrase corporate world you know there's there's a mm -hmm. very clear path for me that um, i could have followed given my own sort of journey but there was i remember the phrase that always rings in my mind is I, if i ever joined one of those companies i knew i would die a little inside mm. and and there's that real fear of being squashed i don't know why but there was and i think now thinking back it was very much about not being able to not only be myself just work out who i am it's mm. like you then you join an organization and you need to be this and there's a kind of a cookie cutter approach of the type of and i'm thinking like these massive consultancy type things like um i don't know accenture and all that stuff is like oh yeah go down the consultancy route but they everyone looks the same and everyone just goes through the same process and that that for me just uh, yeah there was something inside the like the gut level that oh i just I, mm -hmm. I feels feels like i'll be com committing soulful suicide by doing something like that but then the alternative is then trying to work it out for yourself i mean we were on a call yes i was someone in our community ran a call about um authentic workplaces and how to you know show up as our full selves whatever that means in, in the workplace and yeah there's definitely something about i think safety but also not feeling like you said you're just bringing in one part of your personality or your potential and it, and it sounds like what you're doing is by being more open and vulnerable yourself giving permission for other people to then feel safe to do that for them and and yeah, yeah that's Absolutely. probably what put us both off in different ways being in environments where everyone's got their guard up and so therefore you've got your guard up and so you can't be yourself because no one's showing you how to do it and I also love kind of someone saying the darkness is like pieces to shine the light on, on and integrate evidence and get rid of. Absolutely, they kind of form us as human beings. They really kind of add to the richness and to the beauty of who we are as complex creatures. Uh, so, yeah, totally believe in being able to kind of meet and hold your darkness. I did this, uh, another controversial talk. I'm quite good at con controversial <laughs> called Parallels Between Entrepreneurship and BDSM. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and I talked about um, how, you know, BDSM is meeting your darkness, meeting your, like, conscious kink is basically meeting your darkness. <laughs> and 
same if you're on an entrepreneurial journey, you're going to inevitably meet your darkness. Um, yeah, and it's just a journey of conscious entrepreneur meeting your darkness and integrating what you found there into you, you know, your identity. So uh, let's start going there now. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm wanting to know now how the taking up burlesque dancing because I feel there's something around being seen and being vulnerable there, but I don't know if that's you know if I've understood that correctly. My belief is you need to be a particular type of person to do that, but maybe I'm wrong. So I've always been a bit of a showgirl, kind of somewhere inside, and I think everybody, every one of us has a showman or a showgirl that kind of in there. Whether whether or not you want to channel it into burlesque is another question, but. Uh, I've always had this kind of real, real desire to test the boundaries of what's like politically or socially acceptable and kind of balance on the on the border, on the edge of what's considered appropriate. And I just remember that longing within me uh, when I was maybe two, three years into the development of my business to really go back to that place in me which felt so freaking juicy, which felt rebellious, provocative, creative, uh, full of life and I felt like I was like I was really good at what I was doing but I was stuck in my head all the time I was in my kind of what I call in the masculine you know ambition drive decisions uh, kind of that penetrative force that wants to move the world and like change things about and um, leave a mark make a mark and I was not really in that kind of playful intuitive uh, creative uh, place at all which is kind of associated at least according to tantra with the inner feminine or divine feminine and um i just felt like you know the best part of me was dying and i was like i gotta do something to stop that like this is not mm. who i want to become so carlos you were talking about um how it eats away a piece of your soul being in kind of corporate organization i think any type of business activity can do that if you're not careful enough to really grow on multiple levels as a human being as you kind of go through life um you can become that kind of professional machine uh, you really can it's probably easier to do that if you're in a big corporate company as opposed to a startup but still what i found is that i just needed to do something uh to get back to myself to really feel that creative rebellious fire in me again and it was just this pure serendipity I was one day in Piccadilly Circus walking from one meeting to another I stumbled upon that place called Café de Paris if you if any one of you has seen uh, Last Night in Soho that movie kind of features it's quite cool kind of like cabaret cafe kind of place and um, I saw a fragment of a burlesque show rehearsal and I was like wow this is just so out there this is ridiculous like feathers <laughs> and sequins and glitter and like god like in another life that could be me and then i was like well hang on a second i don't have another life like i mean there must be a way one becomes a showgirl i can surely like find out how to do it and i sent a few emails to a few girlfriends and i got a recommendation for a burlesque school and the rest is history um it was just an exhilarating journey absolutely putting me in touch with my embodied wisdom with my kind of ah this creative feminine fire within me which it really ah it's just yeah one of the places i love being in the most within myself it's just been a beautiful journey and as a matter of fact i just my my husband bought me a 
place on a burlesque course uh, as a Christmas present. So I just started another burlesque course now mm-hmm. uh, to create another act and to get in touch with that place of like creativity, pure potential, like kind of tongue in cheek, self ironic, fun, sexy uh, place that I love so much. <laughs> I'd love to see a corporate retreat with that as one of the <laughs> activities. I so I wanted to just say I could sense just like the energy when you were talking about burlesque. There's this like this real. Uh, you it seemed to you when you when you were talking, you went to another place. Uh, you weren't with us for a while because mm-hmm. you were just living in this fiery place. And so that's you know one of the things that we try and stress and talk about within the work that we do at the Happy Startup School is understanding and tapping tapping into these core emotional needs how that is the fuel for not only the fuel for the work that we do the tangible work but i also think there's this obsession with getting to the end you know whether that's retirement or the exit and how i feel we can lose touch with what is the experience in the moment mm-hmm. how are we actually enjoying experiencing living the work as opposed to just doing the work and what i get i got a sense from you is like particularly when you went off on this different plane for a bit was like there's this whole quality of energy that suddenly you bring to your life because of it absolutely i think you can all find that place it doesn't have to be burlesque it could be like a weird hobby or it could be like a passion you had as a kid (laughs) or it could be even a certain friendship that brings up that part of us uh, that aliveness, that spark. Um, but I think it's so important, particularly as you're in the startup world or running your own startup or creating or about to kind of fundraise or exit or whatever, um, and being kind of really immersed in your business. It's so important to find a piece of your piece of yourself that's just, you know, reserved for fun and playful exploration. There's nothing to do with mm-hmm. your company. The thing that comes to mind. Uh- I uh, mentioned this a few times lately because I've just finished the book 4,000 Weeks, uh, Oliver Berkman's book, and he talked about the difference between telic and atelic activities. So doing things that have a clear outcome versus things that are just done for the joy of doing them. And I think as a society, we're almost obsessed by, for example, like I got my kid a drum kit behind me for Christmas and I've ended up playing on it more than he has, I think, and loving it. Um, and then in my head, I'm like, okay, and now I need to join a band again. And, and like, no, no. I just I'm loving playing for playing's sake, and I think we all have this obsession with by doing burlesque. You then now to become a burlesque teacher and go and teach work. No, no, you love burlesque for doing burlesque. I need to read that book as well. I think it's there's just so much to be said for being in the moment and doing things that put us in the moment, that put us in touch with our emotions, that put us in touch with our bodies, that just make us feel fully aligned with our energy, with our kind of life force. Um, as opposed to constantly doing things that have an outcome. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Mm. And it can make it less fun too, I found, particularly if I was with my kids. Some of them, uh, two of them I've got, but yeah, one of them starts to lose the interest as soon as it becomes about the, the winning, you know, the about outcome. the outcome. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And it, I'm, I'm just picturing a contrast here because there's a way of looking at the world where it's dangerous and you shouldn't do anything too risky because you might put your future in jeopardy or that kind of nearly the fear of death thing was like, Oh, I can't do anything too risky just in case it really hurts me. 
and then there's this element of actually without stepping out of that comfort zone what are you actually missing mm. in terms of what i heard you say is like the full experience of life mm. um and it's there's you know i i feel not that it's a mission and not that we want to push people to do this but just to be able to shed a light on the fact that you can live in that little comfortable circle or you could step out of it into somewhere that's actually no idea where you're going to where it's going to take you what it will give you but you may find you look at life differently absolutely and that kind of starts to feed back to who you are as a leader so that's why i thought like the more that's what i discovered the more i was immersing myself in things like burlesque you know at least finding time for things that were just purely for me and my pleasure and my enjoyment and my joy in the moment the more i became different as a leader it was a different quality to, to how i listened to people for example or how i made decisions how i checked in with my body about you know what might be the right decision or what's the the outcome that i'm looking for uh, the more i learned to surrender to instead of all the time trying to try to push and influence things surrender to what already is and try to find wisdom in that and try to find how a given problem is trying to change me as opposed to you know how i might change the circumstances to fix a given problem so it just the more you incorporate your kind of playful creative rebellious side the more it will transform the entirety of you including your leadership boom that's a t-shirt there <laughs> <laughs> it in my post yeah so i i'm now getting to this uh understanding of being able to be more bold being able to like take decisions or follow paths that rationally might not make sense but there's something else that could drive you to do that and that to lead you into places that you need to be. And I'm relating it now to where you are now because I, what I heard is now you're transitioning out of the business. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how much, maybe not any, but I'm wondering how much of that journey, that personal spiritual journey has informed you about your need to take an, or to look for something different? Well, so at some point, kind of a certain chapter has passed that I've really, <clears throat> it was a totally beautiful and transforming experience being the founder of Grand Tree, mm -hmm. but that there is much more to me. And I need to look for that next thing, even that if that means starting from scratch, or even if that means feeling much more stupid in a given role. Mm -hmm. And it also felt like I needed a break to kind of reintegrate all that I've experienced into myself. And, um, really discern what I'm about all over again, you know, what I what I want to do with my life and with my time. So that's when I decided to take time out, write a book, publish it, promote it, and uh, look for my next challenge while still being an advisor to Grand Tree. One of the things that we're doing on our, we run this Vision 2020 program, and, uh, and at the core of it, you're talking to some of the things that we're, we're trying to communicate within the program about being discerning more discerning mm. about the next steps and where you're going next but this this past week we've been asking them to work out loud so essentially use social media this idea of promoting oneself but really about how we express ourselves in public in yeah. order to understand ourselves better and i see there's a parallel here with you and the book 
and I'm trying to make sense of all the things that you've done and you put you've experienced and I, and correct me if I'm wrong it sounds like by writing the book you understood yourself better oh absolutely it was a kind of huge like running a business you know giving birth to a book is a little bit like giving birth to a business it kind of ends up reflecting back things at you you know, here we come again to darkness full circle because that's <laughs> part as well your brilliance in your darkness and um, yeah it was a very vulnerable process because I talk a lot about my mental health about kind of things that I faced on the journey of building the company that we've built um so beautiful vulnerable process and uh, yeah definitely not my last book just experience has been so positive even though you know parts of it were frustrating so i'm really creative so i obviously loved the initial bit of producing the so-called vomit edit or you just like <laughs> bash everything onto kind of paper or keyboard and then you know edits and re-edits and re-re-edits and it's uh yeah it can get tedious and the promotion can get tough as well because uh there's just so much there's always there's never enough that you're doing to put your book out there mm, yeah i'm in the, the vomit stage uh <laughs> the well, hot mess whatever people call it yeah it's like you said it's a it's a journey mm. so um yeah i'm in the midst of it but um i think it's someone who left us a message this morning from the states we know well he's I don't know if he's finished his book, is he, Bob? But he's uh, someone he's we in know the process well. still. He's, the way he described it was like, I'm only ever doing this once. <laughs> yeah. I've heard lots of people say that and then they end up writing another one five years later. But What I remember him describing it as was like giving birth to a baby wrapped in barbed wire and coated in salt. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, that's tough. <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, so, actually, I wanted to just pick up on the last bit there about basically getting the word out about your book and the promotion bit. And it's like, you know, what is it that drives you to do that? Because for some people, that feels like, oh, it's a bit self indulgent and you're just trying to shout about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, there's a lot of vulnerability in it. And um, I think a bit of wisdom around creating a conscious organization. So, I really think, and based on early feedback i know that it can be useful and helpful to people so i feel that it would actually be beautiful for more people to benefit from my journey and uh, kind of not make some of the same mistakes and be hopefully inspired by some of the things so kind of that that drives me to get that book out there and also the a bit of their kind of enterprising business person's mindset comes in as well when i'm like oh how do i hit this target or like how do i like get mm -hmm. it to the next level so that comes in as well thank you paulina um yeah, we have come to the end of our time yes it was truly i just didn't didn't know where we were going to go with this conversation but it felt <laughs> like we definitely went to where it needed to get to fascinating topic really feels like we could have gone even further with uh, any of those issues um so yeah i appreciate you giving your time and well done for uh getting the book out there because it's no mean feat given everything else that's going on. Thank you. And I uh, really love the work that you're doing guys in start uh, Happy Startup School. And I'd love to be part of kind of more discussions and events to come. So keep me in mind. Really enjoyed that. Thank you for listening to our Happy Entrepreneur podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud or wherever you found this podcast episode. And if you'd like to learn more about creating a new path for your work and business, a path that feels more meaningful, more purposeful and more aligned to who you really are, then 
sign up to our newsletter on our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and you'll receive little nuggets of wisdom, stories of experienced entrepreneurs following this more purposeful path, and also a little bit of a wittering from myself and Lawrence and other useful bits of information and content to keep you inspired, keep you engaged, and keep you happy. Mm-hmm.